Hi, I'm Dr. Rahman, and welcome to Black Women's Health. Today will be different. I am speaking with a woman who became disenchanted with medical health system in terms of caring for her fibroid tumors. And fibroids is one of those perennial topics that comes up with me because it affects so many women. So many women suffer. So many women go to the doctor and eventually take a medication or have a procedure that may or may not work. And then they find themselves disappointed and often they end up having a hysterectomy, something that they never wanted, something that they would not have chosen for themselves. Well, my guest today has a very similar story. What's different is what she then does. She decides to study and develop a plan for healing for herself. What she chose to do, I am not necessarily recommending it for anyone, but I am saying that take a look at this woman and what she did and how she did it, and let's see, let's discuss, let's be open to the possibilities. Her name, her name is Valerie Yamina Bay. She calls herself, after her journey, dealing with fibroids, a reproductive health alchemist. Take a listen. Greetings, Dr. Rahman. Really, really pleased to be here. So I should share the story that I received an email from you. And the thing that mm -hmm. hurt my curiosity is that you described yourself as a reproductive health alchemist. Mm -hmm. And I said, yes. oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. Let me hear more. So please. Um, yeah. So, yeah, no problem at all. Um, it, it, essentially, my background is um, as a nutrition practitioner, and I'm also a health coach, but I specialize in helping women heal their wound, but I use a holistic approach to do it. So the way I came into that is that I use my personal knowledge, so my own background, what I know and what I've studied in the past, my expertise working with other women and the various strategies that I've used and developed over the last 18 years to support women who suffer with chronic uterine conditions, mainly, i.e. if they've got fibroids or heavy bleeding or something like that. And what and they may not necessarily want surgery for whatever reason. And and but alongside that, I also address various aspects of reproductive health as well, such as menstrual health, hormonal balance, imbalances, as well as general health and well-being. So but a big aspect of 
my work is where the alchemy comes in is realizing that there's a interconnectedness if you like of physical emotional and spiritual aspects when it comes to reproductive health or health in general uh, in general as well so what I do is I provide guidance I provide tools I provide support to help my clients navigate challenges overcoming their obstacles especially when it comes to changing their eating patterns because these things may sound simple but are actually there there's a lot of challenges and complexities underlying that yes. um and I do that so they achieve their desired health goals and I mainly do this through nutrition detoxification lifestyle modification stress management self-care practices and mindset shifts Okay, so Valerie, that's a lot to unpack. So let me start with the obvious, your accent. So uh -huh. it's clear to my audience that you're not from the United States. Is that correct? I am not. Can you I am not. Tell us where are you in the world? I'm based in London, England, and I was born and bred there. Um, here, we're here, should I say? That's where I am now. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, you know, um, and I know, I know very well that we're known for talking about the weather, <laughs> which, <laughs> and um, yeah, so that's that's where I'm from. Um, but a lot of my what I've learned in the past has come from surprisingly enough doctors that I followed who are actually in your part of the world as well. Interesting. So, um, yes. So the other um, uh, thought is that when we talk about fibroids, and this is one of your specialties, correct? Treatment mm -hmm. of fibroids. Mm -hmm. When we talk mm -hmm. about fibroids, we usually imagine that she is an African-American woman living in the United States. So can you mm -hmm. give me some sense of the prevalence of fibroids in London or the UK? Oh, that, that, that's the thing. We, we don't really have stats, so to speak, but just know there's, it's just as high over here. Obviously there's, there's less people over here. Um, there's about what 70, 70 million people in the UK in general, and in terms of Afro-Caribbean people, yes. yes, we make up a very small proportion of that. I think it equates to about the last time I checked the figures was about three percent or something like that. that um, I know it. I know it's a small amount. It's about three million or something like that. So there's not many of us and many of us are located in the capital which is where I am which is London but although we're in other areas such as like the main cities Birmingham, Manchester, Leeds etc and a good proportion I can I, I when I'm just out and about I'm looking at many of our sisters mm -hmm. and I'm looking at them thinking, I bet they've got fibroids, mm -hmm. especially if 
mm-hmm. they're not pregnant, you see, because many of us have this pregnant looking belly, mm-hmm. regardless of whether we're pregnant or not. And also because my partner, he's a fitness instructor and he trains a lot of women in the gym and he speaks to a lot of them and he says literally every single one who comes to him tell him that they are suffering with fibroids and they've how they come into that conversation I've never really got into but they just start chatting Mm -hmm. because he's a bit like an agony uncle and he he's always telling me that literally every single one has had fibroids or has fibroids and I don't think there's a woman I've passed in the street yet that hasn't has it or they're aware that they have it because some people are walking around with fibroids, not even realizing whether they've been diagnosed, whether they've, you know, because they, they haven't been diagnosed because it hasn't been found. And that's how my story started, actually, because um, I was diagnosed with fibroids in nine, um, 2002, I think it was. Um, but that was for something I was something else I was being tested for. So it was an incidental finding. Absolutely. Yes. So but let me stop I you. Tell you let me, can I, can I yes. stop you there? Because yes, sure. in my practice, I find that um, that's not uncommon to think everything's okay and then find out either based on a pelvic exam or some type of imaging, a CAT scan or ultrasound, that you have fibroids. But when you go back and talk with her, she will often say things like, I was experiencing heavy periods, but that's normal, isn't it? Mm. In retrospect, when you received your diagnosis, did you realize that you were also having heavy bleeding or any other type of symptoms associated with your fibroids? Absolutely, yes. I suffered for years prior to that finding. I suffered with heavy bleeding, clots, and I actually recall, I think I must have been in my early 20s because I'm in my 50s now, and eventually I had enough. Mm-hmm. And because I, the, the day my period started, it was just heavy from the word go. And painful as well. Mm -hmm. The the pain, cramps, you name it. So when I had enough, I went to the doctors and the first thing they prescribed me was the pill. Mm -hmm. Birth control. Um, Yes. Yes. Because I, I, they, you know, that's all they had in their arsenal. I mean, they have a lot more now. But um, that's pretty much all they gave me. And I thought, okay, great. I just went and took it because I thought I can't take anymore. And um, it got to the stage where things got so bad. I was just constantly anemic, constantly. Mm-hmm. Being anemic mm-hmm. became my normal. Mm-hmm. Are you, you saying see? the birth control pills did not help or you were already anemic it, at that point? I was already anemic because remember I suffered for years prior to going to the doctors for the birth control. Can I ask you, and that's also very common. So I get to ask these questions. Why did you wait 
good question. Um, one I don't really have an answer for, but I think it's because I guess I just thought it, like you already said, I just thought it was normal. I didn't know, but at the same time I say that, funnily enough, I knew it wasn't normal because I recall, and I'll never forget it, way back at school where we were talking with the teacher, we, I think it was a biology class, and the teacher was talking about the, re, you know, the female reproductive um, system. And we, we just, that day, we just happened to be talking about the menstrual cycle. And she said, I'll never forget it, through the entire cycle, the amount of blood that you should have at any one point is about half an egg cup full. And I thought, and I recall, yes. I recall, yes. I yeah, and I recall thinking, yeah, right. Mine is more like a whole egg cup full every single day. Mm -hmm. You so know, for me, I, my theory now, after um, years of kind of hearing this story, is that I think that women know that there isn't a lot they're going to be offered. And usually it's going to be a surgical procedure, which they don't want. Mm. And because of that, they either try to deal with it or just ignore it if that's possible until it gets so bad that they think I might as well. I've tried everything else or they look for mm holistic options. And I can tell you that I have oh, of the many women I've seen with fibroids, and it's definitely a preponderance among African, women of African descent. It's seldom that she wants a surgical procedure. It's mm -hmm. seldom. And she is always looking for an alternative. So your story just sounds so very familiar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, it's true. There are so many women out there that I come across literally every single day that are out there, they're looking to take some kind of remedy, they're changing their diet, they're exercising, they're introducing this whole regime in the hope that they are going to shrink, eliminate and blast away those fibroids. That <laughs> is their aim. Yes. And I can tell you when I started this journey, because I've had two surgeries, mm. you see, mm -hmm. and in total, 12 fibroids were removed. But unfortunately, the ones they left started growing again. So well, I ended up in, in hospital in 2000. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. So I ended up in hospital because my the heavy bleeding just got ridiculous. And um, so it was while I was in that hospital bed. This was six years ago. So it wasn't that long ago. I probably I, I got the biggest kick up, you know, my rear. And I thought, right all this prodding and poking, they're lovely people, but they can't help me. They just cannot help me. 
because I've been to them over the years. I've been to them so many times and I thought I can't take it. Do you and mind, I know that, sorry. Do you mind sharing, you were put on the birth control pills. I'm assuming mm. that didn't work for you. Then the next no. option was surgery. And I'm assuming that you had a myomectomy. Absolutely, where, yes. Where you remove the fibroids with the intent of keeping the uterus. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Can I can I and, ask, had you had children at this point, or was this something you were striving for at any point along the way? I didn't want children. Okay. And I don't have any. Okay. But um, I didn't tell them, I didn't let them know that. Okay. You see, because I thought the chances are they'll just go, yeah, just open her up. Yeah, they'll just take it out. Because when you sign that consent form, and I'm horrified when I see that I signed and agreed to a hysterectomy, because that is never what I would have wanted. I would have woke up and been in absolute horror had that happened. But I, I'm thankful every single day that it didn't. Um, and I think that was one of the things that spurred me into action as well was because I when I landed in hospital that, you know, um, in 2017, I thought I can't go through another operation, not to mention the fact that I don't mean anaesthetic, don't really get on. I, it took me two procedures to realise that. So I thought I can't have anaesthetic again. I have to do it. That is, that was my, that was the catalyst for my actions. Well, I had to do something different. So Valerie, can I, can I dig a little bit deeper? Mm -hmm. um, having children was not your intent, which is perfectly fine. And so if you can explain, if you don't plan on having children, why was it so important for you to keep your uterus? Can you explain that? because it's like my soul it's it's what makes me who i am it's what connects me to the wider world i.e the um the spiritual world if you like the n nature do you, you feel see? that way about all your body parts or is there something special in particular about your womb? I feel that about the whole of my body in general, but the, I think the womb, if you like, is the queen, okay. so to speak. Okay. It's like the head of the household and she directs things. Obviously, my everything's interconnected, which is why I'm very, very big on the interconnectedness, because what, you, you cannot treat the, body, the human body like a machine and pull apart out, expecting to function as normal. And when I spit again, I speak to women every single day, including those who have had a hysterectomy. And I can tell you the the women, I, some of the women I speak to some say it's the best thing they ever did they don't regret it and that's fine but you've got the opposite side to that where you've got the women who regret it and they're living in agony they're they they've got 
pain every day. They've got all this stuff going on that's been the fallout of removing an organ. It could be any organ, really. It could be the gallbladder. It could be uh, the stomach. And I've even spoken to somebody who had an entire colon removed and wondered why she was having digestive issues. Mm. It's because you you cannot remove a body part no matter what that body part is without causing some unbalance somewhere unless that organ is diseased to the point where it, it's gonna shorten your life that's fair enough but when it is for something what I call lifestyle diseases where the, if if you just put a few things in place, i.e. the tools I use, if you just implement those, then I you can turn your health around 100%. In regards to fibroids, though, that is another factor. That's another level because fibroids are notoriously difficult to get rid of naturally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm going to try to get this story. So you, you finally have your day of reckoning and you said enough, no more surgical mm -hmm. procedures. What did you decide? I decided there and then that because of, you know, I'm a trained nutritional therapist and have been for 18 odd years. So I thought, right, I'm going to research this. The first thing I said to myself, I'm going to research this. I'm going to look dig deep I'm going to look into it because I spent like many women did I spent the first year trying this trying that trying the other and nothing worked so in my first 12 months I failed to do to make any a dent to make any difference so I came in 2018 I thought right let me clear the slate and let me start again. Only this time I actually went to see somebody myself because I thought before I even do anything, I, even though I started researching because I really needed to understand why was this happening? Why is it happening to so many women? And for one thing, why are so many women of African descent, indigenous women, as I'd like to say, why, why are we affected even more for some reason we get them earlier fibroids earlier yeah. we get them and then some we have them in multiples and they grow and grow yes. and grow and I, I thought why is this that was the basis for my research because I needed to understand what was going on so who did you Let's go see. to see I didn't. I, I went to see um, somebody. He's also based over here. He's very well known practitioner, um, and he uses. He does like bioresonance. I don't know if you are aware of bioresonance. No. So this is a physician or a a different type of health practitioner. No, he's a health practitioner. Just like me, he focuses, he's, um, his big area is energy medicine. Okay. But he, you know, he's been going a long, long, long while. 
and I just knew of him. So I just asked a friend for his number and that's how I um, made an appointment to go and see him, went to, to see him. He had his own programme, but I thought, you know what, I'm going to develop mine, knowing my background. Mm -hmm. And I was already um, trained not only just in nutritional therapy, but detoxification because I'm a detox specialist as well. So I thought I'm going to put all my skills together and come up with a plan for myself. So once I discovered after I went to see him exactly what the cause was, and I still have that report to this very day, I thought, right, OK, where shall I start? Let me map out a plan of action. Let me map out my own healing blueprint for myself. And then I'm just going to take it one step at a time. So I didn't try to do too much. I just took it little by little. I thought I looked at my report. I said, OK, let me start here. So all I did was map out a plan. I said, right, I'm going to do. Are you able I'm gonna... to share what the report said was the reason that you had five? Yeah, weeks? let me let me just go to it. OK. Because obviously I can't, um, you can't see it, but I can definitely share. I imagine I when you went to see this practitioner, you told him your history uh, and the treatments you had received in the past. Was there any type of examination? Um, did you have any type of imaging or blood drawing done? Can you describe the visit in a little more detail all the everything you've just described i had done at the doctors yes you see i that that was done via doctor's test so i had ultrasounds i had endoscopies i did colonoscopies you you name it i pretty much had it all and most of those uh, you know the medical tests they, they didn't find done. anything already mm -hmm. done. and so you could just yeah. share your reports Yes, absolutely. And um, the blood test always showed that I was anemic, but I knew that anyway. Okay. Um, but nothing, there was nothing else conclusive, you see. So you you kind of walk out the doctor's office feeling deflated because you know you don't feel right. So when they say, oh, well, there's nothing wrong, you know, you, you can go now. And it's like, oh, okay, so this is why I went to see him. So I've got the report up now. Okay. And um, the... the the system he uses is called Zyto, so you might want to look that up. And what it does is it measures four core systems that are critical for maintaining health, which is detoxif detoxification, gastrointestinal, hormone and endocrine systems, and your immune system. So for all those core systems mm -hmm. apart from the gut my gut so the gastrointestinal system my detoxif detoxification was off my hormone and endocrine system was off way off and my immune system was I mean it was so bad it was off the charts so how was that determined and sorry how was that determined once you went to see it Yes, essentially what it does, it's um, an energetic reading. 
and okay. I've had several ever since and they're very very accurate it's no different really than some of the equipment that you get in the hospital like an ECG or something like that you see because they're, they're still picking up on energetic functions of the body and um, in actual fact it was very very accurate and it made so much sense when I saw the report I thought yes this makes a lot of sense because what it picked up as well not only did it identify where there were imbalances in those four core systems but it also identified which lifestyle areas they were impacting were that were impacted the most mm -hmm. so um, hydration which I knew already because no matter how much I drunk I just couldn't get hydrated properly I had a lot of mental and emotional stress yeah. I couldn't sleep properly and toxicity was through the roof and that actually made so much sense to me because I couldn't sleep anyway yeah. I did have a lot of emotional or mental stress and yeah. I was constantly dehydrated no yeah. matter how much I drank. Mm -hmm. but it was the toxic stress that really surprised me actually and when that when I looked a bit deeper into the report the the biggest detoxification stressor was mold was fungi and mold and I thought that makes sense because prior years prior to that um, I lived in in I had an apartment a one-bedroom apartment and I had issues with mold and damp or damp, which caused mold and which caused breathing difficulties. So it made absolute sense. When I saw this report, I thought, yeah, and I now know what the issue is. And then so the top five detox detoxification stresses for me was molds and fungi and mold, toxic stress, viruses, pesticides and insecticides, and an emotional, mental problem that was affecting me was anger. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. So, so you get this um, report and mm -hmm. you say, at last, something that makes sense to me. Mm. something I can believe yeah what happens next right so once I did this that's where I started looking at right okay what do I need to focus on so I thought okay so all my stresses point to fungi and molds so that's where I'm going to start so I got a herbal remedy because I actually I know it's a good one because I actually used to work for the company many many years ago so I just bought that a parasite cleanse and I did that for 30 days and then the next step was I did a colon cleanse but remember I was doing everything in according to what was pertinent to me because this is not going to be for everybody because everybody is different, you see. So I was, I set up my own protocol in accordance with this test. 
this this test result, which was because it was the fungi and the molds, I focused on parasite cleanse. And then after that, I focused on a colon cleanse. But all through the years, doctor, what I had been doing was looking after the rest of me, like I used to do regular liver cleanses as well, because your liver is part of your digestion, obviously. And so if that's off, it can't clear it. it if that's off, then it can't break down the hormones. But if your liver's working okay, but your colon, like mine, was severely impacted with lots of waste due to years of eating, you know, processed foods, I had to clear that all, all out. So when the liver does its job of breaking down the hormones and any other waste that my body no longer needs and dumps it into the colon, it needs, my co my body needs to be able to get rid of that. If it can't, all it does is accumulate wastes because that's what our bodies do. I always liken it to a blocked sink. You know, after a while, you of using soaps and shampoos and hair conditioners and eventually, and your hair as well and skin and what have you, eventually your sink might clog up and you have to do a declutter of that sink you might have to go behind it take out the s-bend the piping clear out that and then once you do that the sink once you run the sink and you drain it 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 drains beautifully the body is exactly the same the lymphatic system is your waste system and every now and again it's good just to give your body a good old clearing out that's what you know our um our mothers used to do for us you know they mm. used to give us all these things to mm -hmm. give us a good old washout mm -hmm. and your oil yeah and yes. yes 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 and um people have just lost the art of doing that and when I look into what people do tribes do in various re regions of the world whether that's Africa or in Asia they do things they some of them still do these things to this very day like with traditional Chinese medicine or Ayurvedic medicine in India they still have many of these practices but for us as indigenous African people we've we seem to have lost that particularly in the western world okay so you start to map out a program of detoxing mm -hmm. how long did it take you to do this well to be honest it took me far longer than I was anticipating because the, the parasite cleanse was only around 30 days. It was 15 days on, five days off, and then, then another 15 days on. Mm -hmm. Then after that, I did a colon cleanse, which lasted to get everything out. I think that was about five, six weeks. And then I gave it a break. So over the, I, I would do something and then give it a good break because obviously it's not good to keep detoxing, detoxing, detoxing. 
So I would give it a long break in between, maybe a few months. Okay. Um, and then just make sure I eat clean so as possible. For you, when you're doing your parasite cleanse, are you basically mm -hmm. drinking a tea or are you fasting and using some sort of preparation? What does a parasite cleanse look like? This one, well, there's various ones. I used a herbal cleanse, which involved taking, uh, I think that was herbal, a herbal remedy, mm -hmm. which were capsules alongside another herbal remedy. It's all in one box. Um, another herbal remedy, which was liquid. Mm -hmm. And you would take that a couple of times a day in the morning and last thing at night as well. And what would your diet and, be like? My diet was pretty much the same because I spent years cleaning up my diet. So it's pretty much the same fruit, vegetables. It, I was I eat lots of raw food. Oh, fish so every you, now and again. Are you a vegan or no? No, okay. no, no. I'm not a vegan. Um, many women do do veganism, but I eat predominantly plant based. Okay. But I will have fish every now and again so okay. when I was eating um I would eat I always have a juice in the morning always and fruit that's how I start my morning and then I would what is normal to me is I'll just um eat that so it's okay. predominantly fruit and vegetables and, when you um, talk and about, every now and again fish when you talk about the colon cleans you're not having a colonic or an enema you are again taking some capsules along with your regular diet yes okay. yes so that yes so a, a colonic is a, um what the quick fire way to you know <laughs> yes it is yes. yeah but with this one this took a few weeks and so are you monitoring your menstrual cycle at this point to see is it getting better mm -hmm. or worse? Yep. Or how, how are you um, determining if you're making progress or if it's worse? That's exactly, yes, absolutely. I was doing that. I was thinking, right, okay, how many pads am I using? I had to start saying, right, how many pads am I using now? And has this reduced how are my cycles am I how's my cramping it was everything I was monitoring closely mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. my priority was getting rid of that heavy heavy bleeding because I mm -hmm. just couldn't take it mm -hmm. so I my focus was on clearing everything out and so my body is able to absorb all the nutrients that I'm taking in mm -hmm. because there's no point in sticking in good stuff if if the insides can't handle it, so to speak. So, yes, they, so I my main focus was getting rid of calming down the heavy, heavy bleeding, not getting rid of them, but calming them down a lot. And that exactly I noticed over time that the clots that used to be the size of my hand got smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. That was the first thing I noticed. But for a while, 
it was the heavy the heaviness continued but it i noticed it wasn't as heavy as before okay that's what i've no, that's what i noticed it that it was getting lighter and on some occasions i only needed um a panty liner for your menstrual flow yeah Okay. For the whole entire menstrual, so I just use panty liners. Okay, so I'm. That's gonna, how I knew. I'm going to play devil's advocate for just a moment. Mm -hmm. By the time you started this, you were in your forties. Yes. What about the possibility that all of this was happening naturally, because you were now perimenopausal? Um, that, that's a, that's a factor that I considered as well. But when I think about, cause obviously my periods have stopped now, when I think about when I started mm -hmm. and how heavy it was and how long it continued and it was get it was just getting worse and worse and worse how long it continued there there may have been that but it's hard to determine mm -hmm. because I was doing so much work mm -hmm. in relation to so th there's no way of knowing whether okay was it just part and parcel of you know me moving into the menopause or was it actually because of what I did right. I did but when I think about how heavy my periods were over the years and then with the work I was doing they were getting lighter I would like to think that my my hard work was paying off and it was right about this time that we paused because we both realized that there needs to be a part two where she can go into more detail and outline what her program is. What has she designed for women who have fibroid tumors who are symptomatic? Please stay tuned for part two. Mm -hmm.